Lord, today we are very glad to see each and every one of you. Good to have Herman and Alma with us again. Haven't seen them for a while. So good to have them here this morning. All right. Amen. And uh, the fog has went away. We have sunshine. Amen. All right, we are going to call your attention this morning to the uh, book of Leviticus, chapter number 25, and uh, then also uh, Psalm 89 and 15. Praise God. And uh, Sister Alicia, we're good? We're rolling? Okay. All right, here we go. Uh, Leviticus 25, 1 through 4. And the Lord spake unto Moses in Mount Sinai, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, When you come into the land which I give you, then shall the land keep a Sabbath unto the Lord. Six years thou shalt sow thy field, six years thou shalt prune thy vineyard, and gather in the fruit thereof. But in the seventh year shall be a Sabbath of rest unto the land, a Sabbath for the Lord. Thou shalt neither sow thy field nor prune thy vineyard. And then also verses 8 through 10. And thou shalt number seven Sabbaths of years unto thee. Seven times seven years. And the space of the seven Sabbaths of years shall be unto thee forty and nine years. Then shalt thou cause the trumpet of the jubilee to sound on the tenth day of the seventh month in the day of atonement. Shall you make the trumpet sound throughout all your land. And you shall hallow the fiftieth year and proclaim liberty throughout all the land unto all the inhabitants thereof. It shall be a jubilee unto you, and you shall return every man unto his possession, and you shall return every man unto his family. And then Psalm 89 and 15. One last scripture. It says, Blessed is the people that know the joyful sound, they shall walk, O Lord, in the light of thy countenance. The scripture from the Amplified Version reads like this. Blessed and happy are the people who know the joyful sound of the trumpet's blast. They walk, O Lord, in the light and favor of your countenance. The psalmist here is making reference to the many times, and in particular, the sounding of the trumpet during this time here that we're going to talk about this morning called the Jubilee. And that's what I would like to speak to us about this morning, the sound of Jubilee. The sound of Jubilee. Going to ask you if you would, if you'd lift your hearts. Going to ask Brother McHugh if he'd be so kind as to pray this morning. Father, we thank you for your mercies you've extended to us and the blessings of your spirit upon our lives 
fellowship, worship in your house, the Lord God, that you would touch every life. Let us come out today, we will anoint your word for your messenger, that we might receive the instructions and the encouragement and the guidance we need. We leave here, Lord, blessed and uplifted. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. All right. Basically, the jubilee that we're going to be talking about this morning, the jubilee is like the Sabbath on steroids. Okay? And really, it has its beginning, it has its beginning in the second chapter of Genesis. It begins with the seventh day, which is the Sabbath. The Sabbath we know, the purpose is to give man one day of rest each week, the way it was designed in the beginning. Although the first time we hear of the Sabbath in Genesis 2 uh, and verses 2 and 3, God actually rested. Yes. What the Bible says. Bible says God rested. And could I think it would be safe to say that God made the seventh day and He set it aside for Himself. In other words, this particular time, if you will, God set it aside and He says, this is mine. And so it literally belongs to him. The word rested that we find in Genesis, the second chapter, this word comes from the same Hebrew word, Shabbat, or where we get the word Sabbath. It means to seize, it also means to celebrate. You see, the Sabbath was part of God's seven-day creation. God could have just included six days, but He didn't. There was actually seven days of creation. And let me... Let me just kind of use my imagination here this morning. Do you honestly think that there was not some celebration going on during that first Sabbath? Do you not think that after God created the entire universe and paid special attention to planet Earth and everything that flew and creeped and swam and everything else... Do you not think that there was some celebration going on, on. in heaven? On. Good. The world that we see is pretty small in comparison to what God built, what He created. We're a very small part of this thing called creation. Can I, can I take you to a place this morning where on that first Sabbath, the seventh day, after God 
You know, he says, oh man, I have really, I have really done a great job in building this thing called the universe. And I am convinced that in heaven, wherever that is, and however many angels were in tune and alive and existed during that time, I am convinced that there was a celebration. There was a party going on as the angels witnessed the creating, awesome, glorious power of God. How do we know that? Job 38.4 As Job is going through his particular season of of that dark hour that he was in. And he had lots of questions. And God said, Job, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? When the morning stars sang together and all of the sons of God shouted for joy. In other words, something tells me on that first Sabbath... And we're going to get to Adam and Eve in just a moment. But something tells me that the first celebration was a celebration that went on in heaven as Michael and Gabriel and whoever else, as they beheld God in His speaking the worlds into creation, and they had to just stand back and say, Whoa! Whoa! What a marvelous God that we serve. What an awesome God. I don't know if they jumped or shouted or flapped their wings or what they did. High fives, you know. But there was some selling. You don't think that God would spend all of His energy on creating something so awesome and have the angels in attendance and not somewhere along the line say, hey, what do you think, man? How did we do? Jesus tells us in Mark 2.27 that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So if you would this morning, after the celebration in heaven, God, in my little imagination here, God tells whoever is in charge to take charge for a few hours. And He says, hey, after this celebration, i got to go down and spend a little bit of time with Adam and Eve and celebrate with them. Because you see, they were created on the sixth day. And the seventh day, they were held at bay. You can only imagine what took place on that eighth day, right? But something tells me after the party in heaven that God came down and He began to walk with Adam and Eve and He began to give them what I call the two-minute tour and they walked through the Garden of Eden. God was on display of His awesome power and all of His creation. And He was saying, Hey Adam, hey Eve, how did, you, how did I do? Oh yeah. 
You see, that initial Sabbath day, it was not just a day, but the Bible, Jesus says, it was created for man. He says that it's a time not just of rest, but it's a time to celebrate that you know who I am. There is a joyful celebration going on when a person comes in contact with the living God. So they're out showing her, Hey Adam, how am I doing? Oh, now, I, I, I can't spend a lot of time on this, but you, you understand that uh, there is no, there's no memory in them yet. There is no foreknowledge yet. Right? They're created, we, as some adult, we don't know what they look like, but they weren't in pampers. They were adults. They, on that first day, listen, they were, everything that came in was brand new. Oh, man. What a life. And so he takes them on the two-minute tour. You see, I believe the priority of the Sabbath law is time set aside to build our relationship with God and number two, to build and repair our relationships with others. In Adam's case, it should not have been too difficult. Hello, Eve, I'm Adam. In fact, I wonder if it was possibly the Sabbath that God showed up for His walk with Adam and found Adam to be a no-show. Don't know. But this is the beginning of a process of of a movement of God that He is founding in that very important first Sabbath time where it was just Him and Adam and Eve walking in the cool of the garden celebrating that they had connected. There is approximately 1,000 years between Adam and Moses. During this period of time, we hear nothing concerning the Sabbath. 1,000 years. I may be wrong in that. I don't think so. We pick up the Sabbath principle again after Israel is liberated from 420 years of bondage in Egypt. We are simply told in Exodus 16, 4, verse number 4, Israel is weary. They're complaining about lack of food. Listen carefully in verse number 4. This is the God that regards His people as not some, you know, somebody that... uh, he, you know, that he has anger. No, this is God showing what he wants to do for his people. Verse number four says, God says, You tell them, Moses, that 
You tell them that I will rain bread from heaven for them. But he says this. He says, but six days only. He says, don't worry about what you'll eat on day number seven. Don't worry about what you eat on day number seven. He says, I will provide enough bread for two days on day number six. Because there will will be no bread in the field on the Sabbath. There they are. They're at, they, have, they, have been, they have been delivered from their bondage. The blood of the Lamb has been applied. They have walked through on dry ground the Red Sea. They out there, you say, God, we're, we're, you know, we're getting kind of hungry. It was like, I think, a couple of months out in the, during their walking. They said, God, we're getting hungry. He says, Moses, just tell them. Don't worry about God, but God, there's like how many million people? A couple million maybe? How many thousand boxcars? How many train loads is it going to be? Don't worry about it. He says, watch me. He says, I'm going to open. I'm going to open the windows of heaven. I am going, I am going to rain. I'm going to rain bread out of heaven for them. Let me ask you this morning. Is this the God, the same God that you believe in today? Do you still believe that He wants to open in your weariness? Do you not believe that He's the same God that can open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing from on high that will refresh your soul? Now God moves the Sabbath into part of the first written law. God for the first time speaks directly to Moses. God gives him the law, and within the law is the Sabbath. Exodus 20th chapter, verses 8 through 11. Here's what it said. Remember the Sabbath day. Moses is on the mountain. God is speaking. He says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Work six days, no work on the seventh. Neither you nor anyone in your family to do any work. Six day work week, day off. I don't know about you. Sounds reasonable. But you got to remember, God set that day aside and He says, that's my day. You got to get this. Six days he created the universe. He wasn't done. It was a seven year cycle. The seventh day was the Sabbath. He says, I'm going to set this day. This is my day. I'm setting it aside. It is for me. I own it. Who do you think you are? God? So now it, now it comes into the written form. Now listen carefully. Here it is. This is where something very powerful occurs that will forever connect the giving of the law to a sound that will call the people's attention to His voice 
and His Word. Exodus 19 and 16. And it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunder, lightning, a thick cloud came down on Mount Sinai, and the voice of the trumpet exceeding loud. I don't know who was on the trumpet that day. That's what it says. And so that all the people in camp, they trembled because the mountain was all together in smoke. The Lord descended upon it in fire. And when the voice of the trumpet sounded long and became louder and louder with the people trembling downstairs, Moses upstairs, Moses began to speak and God answered him by a voice. It is here on Mount Sinai that God includes as part of the law Three festivals that all Israel would be required to attend, celebrate the Passover or unleavened bread. Pentecost, oh, we love Pentecost. The Feast of Weeks. And number three, the Feast of Tabernacles or Booths, which was basically the camp meeting. Numbers chapter 10 connects the festivals to the sound of trumpets. It was told them, Moses, tell them, make two silver trumpets that will sound, and according to the sound, will prepare the people. When both trumpets are sounded, the people know they are to assemble at the tabernacle. Different blasts from the trumpets will be necessary to distinguish between the summons to assemble and the signal to break camp and move forward. Numbers chapter 10 and verse 8. This is a permanent instruction. Really? Did I read that right? Are you with me so far? When you hear the distinct uniqueness of the blast of these trumpets, it is going to connect the people with my guidance, my purpose in their lives. And verse number 9, and when you go to war against your enemies, God will hear you and save you from your enemies when you sound the alarm with these trumpets. God said, you sound that trumpet. And He says, I'm going to be there and I will deliver you from all of your enemies. Use the trumpets in times of gladness. Also blowing them at your festivals 
and the beginning of each new month. And God will be... When you do this, you will remind God of His covenant with you. They were like, every beginning of, of a new month, every time, oh, those people knew. Oh, yeah, we got to recharge better. Every festival time, they would hear a unique sound from that trumpet, and they would begin to say, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. It's festive, it's celebration time. So, let me, again, I'm going to use my imagination and take you to a conversation that might have taken place in heaven. God telling the angels, you know, this is really going to get good. He says, in order for me to bless my people the way I want to, I am going to need a Sabbath year. God wants to bless His people. He says, He says, says, Corey, that was a great lesson, by the way. God's plans are so way up there. He says, listen, He says, Mr. Angels, I want you to know, He says, this thing, I'm moving forward with this thing called the Sabbath and uh, this celebration thing. He says, but I can't do everything that I want to do for my people in one day. He says, so I'm going to move it forward. And He says, after six years, I'm going to give them a whole year off. Just today? No, I need a year. I need, I need a, I need a whole year to pour what I've got into my people. I need more time to pour my whatever I've got. I need a year. I need 365 days to pour myself into this that man back there called Jacob. One day is not sufficient anymore. All right. His. Exodus 23 and 10. He says, I want you to keep the seventh day as a day of rest. And I have a surprise. I want you to tell my people that in addition to the weekly Sabbath, that after six years, I want all of you to take a complete year off. Six years you shall sow your land, gather in the fruits. The seventh year, let it rest. Whatever grows on the seventh year is to be for the poor And whatever the poor don't eat, let the animals have it. Leviticus 25 and 20, God already knows what's going to take place. And He says, but you will ask, what are we going to eat on the seventh year with no crops planted? And the answer is, God said, I will command My blessing on your sixth year. He said, I'm going to command it. Don't worry about it. 
I am going to command my blessing on your sixth year to the point that that sixth year harvest is going to produce three years worth of goods. So when you take that seventh year off, I want it to be a time not worrying about the fields. I want you to take that year and I want you to celebrate because you are my people and I am your God. And we need more time. One day's not enough. So here we go. It's progressing. Remember the words when He set this law in the beginning? He blessed the day. He sanctified it or set it apart as His own day. Now He's got an entire year set aside. It belongs to Him. He's honored the six-year blessing. And now He wants His people to be fully engaged on building their relationship with Him. Because life happens after six years. You, God said, you're going to need time to re-consecrate, to build, to re to re-energize your relationship with me and your family. Life happens. After six years, you got anybody that, you know, that maybe dislikes you a little bit? God says, He says, I'm going to take care of my side of the business. I will command. I will command heaven to give you six years, three years worth of crops of six years. And all you've got to do is obey me and take that seventh year and you need to celebrate. You need to reconcile. You need to... Where's your knee? Excuse me. So I think we could say when God implemented the Sabbath year, His motive, His desire, His intention was so His people could have a year of rest and have plenty of time to build or repair their relationships with Him as well. Hold on as well as repair any relationships with their families. At this point, we have to add a couple things to the Sabbath year though. Okay, it's not just the crops taking a day off anymore. It's not just the crops taking a year off anymore. Deuteronomy 15 at the end of every seventh year, there is to be a canceling of all debts. Life happens. Some people get dealt a bad hand, you know? Every seventh year, I want you to know. <laughs> See, you may not be in debt, but I guarantee you, 
when that man that is up to that is bankrupt, when he hears the sound of that trumpet coming on that seventh year, buddy, he is dancing in the street. He is running home to mom and the kids. He is celebrating. He's saying, Thank you, Jesus, because you have canceled my debt. Every creditor shall write paid in full on any promissory note he holds against a fellow Israelite. This release does not apply to those outside the family of God. If you own a slave, they are to be set free during the Sabbath year. Because see, sometimes people get in dire straits financially. They have to sell off the farm. And then they still have to pay the bills. So they hire on. Not as a, We look at it as a slave, not necessarily. They're a hired hand to another Israeli. But when that seventh year, when that trumpet begins to sound issue ushering in that seventh year of Sabbath, then that man knows that not only is the debt that he's occurred, it's paid in full, but he is no longer a slave to another man. He gets to go home. He gets to start over. Imagine... Can you imagine the anticipation and the hope and the expectations? When that trumpet began to sound on that Sabbath year, there was some guy who said, man, I'm free. I am free. I am free. I no longer owe anybody anything. And I am a free man. I can see the slaves running down the road reconnecting with their families. I can see those that have been bankrupt dancing in the streets ready to start over brand new. But then possibly the most important of all in this year-long rest and reset is found in Deuteronomy 31, 11-13. The command as part of this at the end of every seven years in the year of canceling debts during the Feast of Tabernacles, there is the sound that you are going to make on that trumpet. And during the Feast of Tabernacles, you shall read this law in the hearing of all people every seventh year. Men, women, children, even the stranger within your gates that the people might hear, learn, and obey all my words. Whoa! I ain't got time for the Word of God. Oh yeah, God's plan you do. Yes, sir. I'm too burdened down with life's debts and... and, and uh, God's, God's plan it is, it is a way to overcome those things. I don't have time to read the Word. God's plan says, yeah, you do. Because I am going to set aside an entire year for you to become more acquainted and familiar and ingest My Word. And when they heard the trumpet sounded, those people, they were, 
They were thankful. They were grateful that God had not just provided, not that they had their debts canceled out, but when the trumpet sounded for the hearing of the Word of God, they all assembled outside that tabernacle. And Moses, Aaron, whoever, they began to tell them the story of how God had redeemed them out of bondage in Egypt and how He had a plan for their lives for eternity. I'm quite certain they heard the blast of that trumpet knowing full well what it meant. Because remember, the first time they heard it, the first time was Mount Sinai. And that trumpet they heard that day, we don't know where that came from. But God commanded, you build some trumpets. You make as much as you can the same likeness of that noise so those people know exactly when they hear the sound of that trumpet they know that it is the sound of my voice then after seven cycles of seven years of sabbath we see this concept of the Sabbath arriving at a year number 50, which means if we are to take this literally, would mean two congruent Sabbaths. One on the 49th year. God said, no, i got to have... I gotta have more than one year every once in a while. Every once in a while, I gotta have just a little bit more to pour into my people. He said, I want you, I want to give them back to back years of rest and recovery and reconciliation and forgiveness and canceling their debts and hearing my word. All right. So the 49th year. And then, at the sunset on the Day of Atonement, they bring out that chauffeur's horn, that ram's horn. They begin to blast away every community in the land. They begin to blast that ram's horn. And it was a sound that was so unique and special. It only occurred one time every 50 years. And if you were alive to witness that, you had witnessed the absolute, the climatic, the provision of God in that Old Testament. All right. 50 years, two years, back to back. Wow. What are you going to do in those two years? You see, those are my two years. You tell me what you're going to do with my two years. You understand, it's always been about building your relationship with God. The great commandment 
you gotta build your relationship. You got to reconnect with your relationship with God, and then you have to reconnect. You've got to re-energize your relationships with your family, your loved ones, and your brothers and your sisters and your enemies. God said, "I'm giving you back-to-back years, and I want to know what you're gonna do with my time." What more can you what more you gonna add, God? What what else you gonna do for these people? He said, Well, I got one more thing. He says, I want to make sure that all my people have that if if they've had to sell their property due to financial needs, I want them on the year of Jubilee, when they hear that trumpet sound, I want them to know that I am restoring their property back to their inheritance family. So there can never be an accumulation of rich people taking all the property. Never been God's plan. He has in plan where the there there are no poor there are no big eyes and little use in the kingdom of God. He said, I'm going to make it so that even if you have to sell off your property, you're going to get it back because I'm going to command it to be so. Two years to bless my people abundantly. Restore relationships, forgive debts, celebrate freedom and liberty. But that sound of the trumpet would only take place after the atonement was made. As the sun set on the day of atonement, that's when the trumpet would sound. The sound of the trumpet would only take place after the atonement was made. On every 50th year of national life as the sun went down on that great day of atonement when the sins of the nation had been forgiven and peace with God was once more assured, the sound of many trumpets sounded the beginning of the year of Jubilee. Some say that they blow those trumpets back then up to a hundred times in certain communities. God says, I want to do more. It's not enough. He says, I want to do more for my people. You see, that's the God you serve. I want to give my people an entire life of Jubilee. An entire life. Conversation in heaven. God, how are you going to do that? He says, there's only one way, and that is for me to go down myself and dwell among them as one of them. Jesus says, I come to give you life and life more abundantly. Luke 4, after Jesus spends 40 days fasting in the wilderness, we're told He returned in the power of the Spirit. 
to Nazareth. He went into the synagogue on the Sabbath. He was asked to read from the Scriptures. He was handed a copy of the book of Isaiah and began to read. And his reading was, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the Gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, set at liberty those that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. The Amplified Version says, the day when salvation and the free favors of God profusely abound. It's talking about the year of Jubilee. Jesus says, it's fulfilled in your hearing today. He says, because when I get done, he says, I, I want, my desire is to pour out a blessing upon my people that will not just give them a celebratory attitude and spirit for a day, for a year. For two. He says, when I get done with this, they are going to enjoy an entire lifetime of jubilee. Can I tell you today that if you're looking for something greater, good luck, friend, because He's already came in the volume of the book and He came so that He could pour out His Spirit upon your life and give you that life that flows. Pentecost was the sound of a jubilee year. An entire life of liberty, restoration, joyful celebration. Can I tell you, every time I hear the name of Jesus, I hear the sound of jubilee. Can I tell you that every time I hear the Word of God, I hear the sound of jubilee. I hear the sound of liberty. I hear the sound of my sinful death being canceled out by the blood of the Lamb. Every time that I see somebody repent, I celebrate it. Why? Because it is a life. It is an entire life of living under that umbrella called the jubilee. Every time somebody gets baptized, I don't let just the angels rejoice because I'm rejoicing because there is a new name written in heaven. Every time a prodigal walks in the door, I am celebrating the jubilee lifestyle that falls under the day of grace. That His grace is sufficient. He never runs out of mercy during the jubilee. Every healing, every victory, Every song, every dance, every clapping of the hands, I rejoice because I hear the sound that comes from the Word of God knowing what price had to be paid to give me this freedom. 
But God says, wait, I want to do more. <sighs> what? I want to do more. I want to do more. Gabriel, I want you to sound the trumpet for the rapture of the church. I want you to get ready. I want you to get ready. And I want you, Gabriel, to know that when you blow that trumpet, that I'm going to jump out of heaven's throne. I'm going to be standing in the clouds. And he says, I am going to shout a shout like the universe has never heard before. And when I shout and you blow that trumpet, I want you to know that all of hell is going to hear that sound. Then the graves are going to open up and I'm going to release my people once and for all. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. We shall be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised and we shall be changed and our parting words to this earth will be, O oh, death, where is your sting? O oh, grave, where is your victory? I will usher in the thousand years of peace. We're going to have a part. I don't know everything there is, but God said, wait a minute, I want to do more. Thousand years ain't gonna be enough for me. Do you do you understand how much he loves you that he wants to spend not a thousand years? He wants to spend eternity with you. Amen. I'm going to create a new heaven and a new earth so that my people can live with me for eternity. John says, I saw a new heaven. I saw a new earth coming down from God out of heaven. He says, and within the portals of the city, he says, there was no more tears. There was no more death. There was no more sorrow. There was no more crying. There was no pain. Behold, God says, behold, I make all things new. Not for the angels. Not for the angels. For you. As you stand and we close, there's a 2,000 pound bell that hangs in Philadelphia. Symbolizes freedom in America. We know it's called the Liberty Bell. It has a crack in it. When that crack occurred is not precisely known, but history records at least two very important times 
in our nation's history that someone had the distinct privilege of ringing that bell. 2,000 pounds. It rang when the Continental Congress signed the Declaration of Independence, they say in 1776. I forgot to bring my little bell out of my office. Well, come on. We are a nation that believes in God. They say they rang that bell when, they, when those men signed that Declaration of Independence. Somebody rang that bell. They rang a 2,000 pound bell. That sent its sound throughout that area. And then they say that it rang also a few days later. It rang summoning all of the citizens of Philadelphia to come for the reading of the historical document of the Declaration of Independence. You know what's on that bell. What's on that bell on the face of that bell? Above the crack it says this, proclaim liberty throughout all the land unto all the inhabitants thereof. Leviticus 25.10 It has the Scripture stenciled in there. You can't separate this nation from God. No matter how they might try. You cannot do it. There may be a crack in the symbol of our freedom today, but there is no crack, there is no weakness, there is no loss of power in the message that it bears. Yes. Psalm 89, 15, Blessed are the people who, who know, who know that joyful sound. Who know that joyful sound. Who know that joyful sound. Amen. Who know that Liberty and freedom through the means of only, only, only Jesus Christ through the Gospel. There is no freedom other than that. You will remain in debt. You will remain in slavery until you are liberated by the Son of God that came in the power of His Word. Closing, I do hope that you've got to. God. We live our lives shortchanged. We live on pennies, and God says, I got some golden dollars, buddy. If you would just understand that I am in the blessing business right now because you're living in the church age. It is the day of Jubilee. You better get with it. You better get a hold of this thing. You better reap everything that I have sown. Jesus Christ sowed it. I'm reaping what He sowed. 
you would like to come this morning and get around the altar, you're more, we invite you to do so. We do ask that if you come to the altar, if you would put a face mask on, please, because this is really the only time that we have close proximity to one another. But, oh, I pray this morning, I pray. If I pray that you would, I believe with all my heart that if you would get a hold of this concept, this spiritual concept, that you can grow, you can prosper like you never have before. Because it is literally, it is my life living in Jubilee. Come on, amen. Praise God.